Janina Albania, January 1822. The Odalisks, chambermaids of Ali Pasha's harem, were crossing the icy footbridge through the marsh when they heard the first screams. Haide, the Pasha's twelve-year-old daughter, clutched the hand of the nearest of her three escorts, none of them older than fifteen. Across vast Lake Pambotis, they could make out the torches that flickered along the far shore, but that was all. The screams came faster, harsher now, male voices raised in fear blowing across the lake. Here on their floating wooden bridge, protected only by the thick marsh grasses that surrounded them, the odalisks and their young ward were unsure what to do, retrace their steps back to the harem on its tiny isle, or continue across the marsh to the bathhouse on the edge of the shore where they'd been ordered to deliver the pasha's daughter before dawn. An escort would be waiting near the hammam to bring her on horseback, under cover of darkness, to her father. Through the dark morning mist across the lake, Haide could make out the fire that had flamed up like a beacon illuminating the massive form of the pasha's palace. Demir Kale, the Iron Castle. It was part of a walled fortress, the Castro, at the entrance to the six-kilometer lake, and it had been built to withstand the onslaught of ten thousand troops. In these past two years of armed siege by the Ottoman Turks, it had proven impregnable. Just as impregnable was this strip of craggy mountainous terrain, a wild, unconquerable place ruled by a wild, unconquerable people who called themselves Tosca, coarse, after the rough volcanic pumice that had formed this land. The Turks and Greeks called it Albania, the white land, for those rugged snow-capped mountains that protected it from attack by land or sea. Its inhabitants, the most ancient race in southeastern Europe, still spoke the ancient tongue. Chimera, a language comprehended by no one else on earth. And the wildest and most chimerical of these was Haide's father, red-haired Ali Pasha, Arslan the Lion, as he was called from the age of fourteen, when, alongside his mother and her band of brigands, he'd avenged his father's death in a blood feud to recover the town of Tebelen. Now, nearly seventy years later, Ali Tebeleni, Vali of Rumelia, Pasha of Yanina, was the most powerful force in the far-flung Ottoman Empire after the Sultan in Constantinople. Too powerful, in fact. That was the trouble. For weeks now, Ali Pasha had been sequestered, along with a small retinue, twelve of his closest supporters, and Haide's mother, Vasiliki, the Pasha's favorite wife, in a monastery at the middle of the enormous lake. He was awaiting his pardon from the Sultan, Mahmud II, in Constantinople, a pardon now eight days overdue. The only insurance against the Pasha's life was the hard, stony fact of Demir Kale itself. The fortress, defended by six batteries of British mortar, was also packed with twenty thousand pounds of French explosives. The Pasha had threatened to destroy it to blow it to the skies along with all the treasures and lives within its walls if the sultan's promised pardon was not forthcoming. In the deathly silence, Haide and her chambermaids heard a sound. 
It was a soft sound, but infinitely terrifying. The sound of oars dipping into the water. Through the dense silvery fog, they could just make out three longboats slipping past them in the waters. Each slender kike was rowed by shadowy oarsmen, perhaps ten or twelve shadows per boat, more than thirty men in all. These boats and their clandestine oarsmen were headed for the Isle of Pines, where the monastery lay, the island refuge of Ali Pasha. She knew she must reach the shore, where the Pasha's horseman was waiting. She knew just what those terrified screams had meant, what the silence and the small beacon fire that followed it must signify. They were warnings to those awaiting the dawn, those who were waiting on that isle across the lake. Warnings by those who must have risked their lives just to light such a fire. Warnings to her father. It meant that the impregnable Demir Calais had been taken without a single shot. The brave Albanian defenders who had held out for two long years had been defeated, by stealth or treachery, in the dead of night. And Haide understood what that meant. These boats slipping past her were Turkish ships. Mehmet Effendi stood in darkness, high in the bell tower of the St. Pantaleon Monastery on the Isle of Pines. Mehmet Effendi was not only Ali Pasha's chief minister, he was also the Pasha's chief astrologer. Mehmet Effendi had never been wrong in predicting the outcome of a maneuver or a battle. Everything that had been foretold was coming to pass. The twelve were here, weren't they? All of them, not just the general, but even the great Baba himself, who'd been brought here from his near deathbed by litter bearers to arrive just in time for this event. Waiting beside Effendi in silence was the general, Athanasi Vaya, head of the Pasha's armies, whose brilliant strategies had held the Ottoman armies of Sultan Mahmud II at bay these past two years. To accomplish this, Vaya had employed the freebooting cleft banditi to guard the high mountain passes against intrusion. Then he deployed Ali Pasha's crack Albanian Palikari troops in Frankish-style guerrilla warfare and sabotage. But Vaya's real stroke of genius involved the Sultan's own troops, the Janissaries. <laughs>